Welcome to Disciples House. Please be seated. Well, the end of an era. So, as most of you know, uh, Mr. James's uh, mother, uh, Betty Rutledge, went home to uh, heaven uh, uh, Friday evening. And uh, so we ask that you uh, join us in rejoicing that, the, that this prayer warrior has gone home to her eternal glory. And uh, if you see James, give him a hug. But you know, the front of the front of this says, "Well done, good and faithful servant." That's Matthew, Matthew twenty-five, verse twenty-one. Because you know, we all want to, we all want to hear, we all strive, or we should be striving to hear when we get home to heaven, "Well done, good and faithful servant." And and we know that we know that Miss Betty probably heard that when she went home. Um, she was a good woman. She she uh, 
She was praying for the church constantly. She was praying for everyone in here. And she never stepped foot in this door. But she prayed for all of us. She, she listened online faithfully. She was a good woman. And we know that the Lord, the Lord has her. And that she's not feeling any more pain. And that she's, she's in her glorified body. And she's rejoicing. So thank God for that. But I want to drive home that we should be striving towards that. We should put God first in our lives. Because if we don't, when we get up there, he's going to say, well, you were good at playing video games, or you were good at, at whatever you like to do, but you could have done better for me. And if we're really unlucky, we'll hear, I didn't even know you. We need to keep that in mind as we go through our day and as we go through our week. It's very important that we put God first in our lives. So, all right, enough with the heavy stuff. Going to get me choked up. Ah. So, our meditation for this week is John sixteen thirty three. Are in Him, and it says, "These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world." So, our confession: Jesus spoke these things to me. So that in him, I might have peace. In the world, I will have tribulation. Trials, distresses, and frustrations. But I will be happy, happy, happy. Because he has overcome the world for me. And for you. Praise God. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is Isaiah 53, 5. And it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And, you know, if he, if, if he did that 2,000 years ago for us, we, we, it's, it's done. We're healed. He's paid the price He's paid the price for us. He's paid the price for all the sins that that we that we have done and will do. Doesn't mean we sh- we have free license to go sinning. It doesn't, because he told us to go and sin no more. But he's paid the price already, and we can rejoice in that. All right. So our confession: Jesus was wounded for my rebellion. He was bruised for my sins. My complete punishment was placed on him. Thank you, Lord. And by his stripes, I am healed. Lord, I am so sorry that that our sins had to be placed on you. We take that too much for granted. 
we should strive to never lay another sin upon you. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. So anyways, this is going to be an interesting service. Upcoming events. Uh, we, have a, we have a church meal coming up at, uh, after service on February 11th. Uh, and then the Ark Encounter deposits are due that day as well. Um, that's just a couple of weeks away. And then uh, March uh, 19th uh, through the 21st is going to be the Contending Faith Bible Conference in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. So that's so looking forward to that. And uh, and then April 18th through the 20th will actually be the Encounter uh, Ark Encounter and Creation Museum trip. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. And then we have a new one on, on the board uh, today. Uh, Brother Randy at our meeting uh, uh, announced that, he's, that uh, our spring prayer sem uh, seminar, which was, which was being done online since COVID, is, is being changed. And that uh, they're going to do an um, a, uh, authority over devils and seducing spirits seminar, uh, which will be in Dayton, Tennessee, which is just an hour and 45 minutes from here. And that's going to be uh, uh, April 30th through May 2nd. And they're going to do two services a day starting that Tuesday. So they'll start at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, have a 7 p.m. Isn't that what I said? Or did I say 7 a.m.? Uh, okay, my bad. 10, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. each day for three days. And uh, he said there's a possibility they might even go longer than that. But they're definitely doing those three days for six services. Uh, and since it's close by, I know some of you all will probably want to come and join. You don't have to come to every service, but but uh, I think it would be good for all of us to hear about hear about this. All right. Uh, July uh, 18th or 8th through the 12th, 18th. I'm Generation Life Youth Camp uh, will be coming up, so we're going to be praying for that, and that that um, all that come will have their will encounter God, and their lives will be changed. All right, uh, I think that's about it. There is details for the fellowship meal in uh, in the bulletin, and remember, Brother Richard, that'll be his first Sunday home. Praise God! Glad to hear he's coming back, and. Okay, so let's pray for the service. Lord, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you that you are the most high God, the creator of the heaven and earth. That you that you that you would Lord that you would just take that you notice us and that you love us and that you created us and you and you made a plan for us, Lord. We just thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord that we might not be separated from you. But it is our choice because you give us free, freedom of choice. From the very beginning, you've given us freedom of choice. You don't twist our arms and you don't send purposely send anyone to hell. We know that. The ones that go to hell, they go there of their own choice, their own free will. They have the choice. You, you even point out to them, choose life. Don't choose death. If they just read your word. 
You know, some of them need our help to read, to read the Word, and that's okay. Send us to them. Help us to, to, to help them to see for themselves where your Word says they have a choice, and it's up to them. That you love them and you made a way, but they have to choose. It's good that we have a choice, Lord. We thank you for it. Lord, I just, I just love you, and I want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I want to see your people reached, and I want to be a part of it. Lord, I pray that you make each and every one of us evaluate ourselves and look to you and say, Lord, what can we do? What would you have us to do? What is your purpose and your plan for each and every one of us? What can we do today? What can we do this week? What can we do for our, through our lives? Because we know that you have a plan for each and every one of us. You've called each one and every one of us to a special purpose and a special plan. It's just for us. And if we just ask, you will reveal it to us. Lord, thank you for this day. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us to hear from you. Help us to be good ground, that your words might fall on good ground and grow and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those that we come in contact with. We thank you, Lord. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You cannot operate in us. You cannot place your sickness on us, your poverty on us. That is yours, and you take it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Derek? Well, good morning, disciples. Let's do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer, and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised from the Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you.
and we say thank you. We say we love you, Lord. Hear our song as we sing to you.
glory, glory to God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and meet with your people. We lay ourselves down. We say, teach us, show us. Glory to Come flood in. 
Glory, glory be your name. In the name of Jesus, we lift you up in Jesus' name. Welcome by a melody. 
Father, forgive us for not giving you the reverence that you're due. Father, we reverence you and we honor you and we respect you. For you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Father, you're the giver of life. It's your breath that gives us life. And Father, we reverence you. We honor you. Father, we just, Father, we surrender all that we are to you because without you we are nothing. And, Father, we glorify you and we magnify you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Well, as you're seated, let your neighbor know that you're, that you're happy to see him. Glory to God. Uh, we lift up Bob and Bethany as they're traveling this morning, or this weekend, I should say. And just thank the Lord for traveling mercies for them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, we were singing that song, and it says, uh, Every lifted voice apart uh, of the symphony, joining in the symphony. And and right at that point, the Lord says to me, Miss Betty's part of that symphony now. Yes. Yes, she is. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. My, my prayer and my hope is that we will all be that way someday. Glory to God. Uh, glory, glory, glory. I'm just... Got a lot of different things running around in my spirit, and you know, got to just just a lot of different things running around. And before we say or do anything more, let's turn to First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Glory to God. Uh, if you were here with us Friday night, uh, I, if. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, if people were here, if somebody was here like a fly on a wall type thing, they probably thought we was a little crazy uh, because uh, we got done with prayer and Michael checked his messages and we saw that we had a message from Brother James 
that uh, his mother Betty uh, went home to glory just a couple hours, just a little bit before that. And it was the biggest shout you've ever heard of victory. Uh, I mean, it was a big shout of victory. We danced a little in the spirit and just rejoiced at her home going. And some people will say, well, that sounds a little uh, crazy. No, because we know where Miss Betty is. Glory to God. We know that she is, uh, you know, she's no longer dealing with medical oppositions, you know, situations. She's in the prime of her life. She's well, and, and uh, she's with her, the Lord Jesus and the Father God, and she's with her husband and those that preceded her in death, and uh, she's happy to be home. Uh, the, the family all got to say their farewells uh, ahead of time, and, and she, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was an honor um, to, to have Miss Betty in our life, and she's a, she's a prayer warrior. She was our prayer warrior. She prayed for each and every one of y'all daily. And uh, we just loved her greatly. And, uh, but I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to start and look at verse 13. Uh, verse 13. Because uh, when somebody goes home to glory, it's a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing. And uh, they're not dead, as we say. You know, I, I kind of don't like to use the word dead when you're talking about a Christian uh, because um, they're, they're nowhere near death. They're more alive than they have ever been. Amen. And uh, James called me, I guess, about a week and a half before Miss Betty went home. And he said, Miss Robbie, he called me in the morning. He said, Miss Robbie, and I said, yes, sir. He said, I just got off the phone with Mama. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, she's asked that you pray for her. And I said, okay. And I said, is everything, is, it, is everything okay? He said, yeah, everything's fine. She'd just like for you to pray for her. And so I've just been praying for her ever since every day, just, you know, lifting her up and praying for her and praying in the spirit for her. And the Lord kind of dealt with me because Dad Hagen used to teach that there was um, the, the gates of death, uh, and that's where somebody just, just transitioned from this life into what we call death, which is actually eternal life on the other side. And then there's the jaws of death. And the jaws of death is where somebody just hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. And it drains the family. It drains the emotions. It drains resources. It just drains the life out of a family when somebody does that. And so my prayer was, Lord, we don't want her, uh, you know, going through the jaws of death. We want her going through the, through the gates of death. And, and as I was praying, I said, no, Lord, I said, that's not right. I said, we want her going through the gates of life. Gates of heaven. And we want her going through the gates of life. And, and I just switched the, the way I said that. I said, Lord, it's okay. The boys have all released her. The boys have all said, you know, she had the three boys. Um, and uh, she was a prayer warrior. And uh, I know many of you are saying, well, what can we do for the family? I'm going to tell you what you can do for them. Uh, you can pray for them like Miss Betty did. Pray for them daily. Uh, and it's, of course, Brother James, of course. And then the other two brothers are John, or he goes by Johnny for the most part, doesn't he? He goes by Johnny. And then the other one is Joshua. And we call it, he largely goes by Josh, correct? You just lift them up every day. And then the other thing that you can do is lift up your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. That's the biggest thing that you can do for the family is carry on Miss Betty's work of being a prayer warrior. 
And I told the Lord, I said, when I was praying for her, I said, Lord, I said, give her the comfort and the peace to know, number one, that we're all picking up her prayer mantle. But number two, she doesn't get to just drop that job. She's going to pick it up from the heavenly side. Amen. And her prayers will actually be more effective because she'll understand how to pray more effectively because she'll know the spiritual state of people. Uh, but let's pick up right here in verse 13 and let's read. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. We would say concerning them which are dead. That's what he would say. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. That word ignorant, you know, sometimes we don't understand that word ignorant. That, that word ignorant means uneducated or uninformed. The Lord wants us to be informed about how to deal with this situation. That ye sorrow not. Even Glory as others God. which have no hope. Because we God. don't have. He said, do not sorrow not. In other words, don't get into heavy grief. There is a spirit of grief. It's a demonic spirit that will grab a hold of a person that gets into heavy sorrow. And it will bring, upon, it'll bring them to a place of depression. It will bring them to a place of, sad, of extreme sadness. He said, no, don't do that. He said, he said, don't, don't get it, don't give place to sorrow. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not okay to shed a tear. I've, in my time of prayer for Miss Betty, I've shed a tear uh, more than once because I'm like, Lord, that's our prayer warrior. Lord, these boys, that, I mean, they talk to her every day on the phone. That's another thing you can do when you think about Brother James. Give him a phone call because he's used to talking to Mama every day. And, uh, you know, and uh, but that doesn't mean that we sorrow, that we get down into the molly grubs and, oh, our life is so sad. No, don't do that. So we, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't be sorrow. Uh, we shouldn't have sorrow for those that have passed on because no. they've gone on to their glory. Yes. Yes, we're going to miss them. Yes. Yes, we're going to be sad for a while. That's yes. okay. Yeah. But don't, don't let don't don't get tied up in that they're gone. Mm mm. Because they're not hurt and they're happy. Now, it, now it would be a totally different story if Miss Betty didn't know the Lord Jesus, but she knew the Lord Jesus. It's a totally different story when the person steps over to eternity and their eternity is in hell. That's a totally different story. Yes. That's, I mean, that's a totally different grievance there. But, but we don't have that situation here because, honestly, Miss Betty's not gone. We're going to all – now, now, none of us have gotten to actually meet her face-to-face. -face. But when we get when, – when the, if the Lord tarries and we go out of here like she went out of here, the body given up, then we'll meet her then. But if the Lord doesn't tarry and we go home sooner, then guess what? She's coming with him to call us out of here. So we're going to get to meet her. We're going to, and I just can't wait. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, it'll be good for her to be part of our greeting party. Yep. And that'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not goodbye forever. It's, no. It's, it's, hey, she went, on va she went on vacation or she moved to another town, and eventually we're going to catch up That's with right. her. That's right. That's right. Let's keep going. All right. So verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which we do. Yes. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Look at that. God's going to bring him with them. Woo! Come on. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Glory to God. For the, 
Keep going. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Glory to God. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Glory Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Glory to God. So Miss Betty's not gone. She's with the Lord. She'll be coming back when the Lord comes back. She's in our future. She's in the boys' future and, and the grandchildren. And, and uh, so we just rejoice with her. and We rejoice with the family. And we're so excited that she got to go home and she doesn't have to deal with a body that's not cooperating with her anymore. Her body's uh, restored and renewed, her spiritual body, her physical body. She'll get that new when she comes back with Christ. And uh, we're just excited. And, and uh, I just, I'll just tell the Lord, Lord, she gets a few extra crowns in her, or extra, a few extra jewels in her crown for uh, praying us through the last several years (laughs) because she's had to pray us through some things Uh, but we appreciate her we love her we love that we love that we love brother james we love you and your whole family and and uh, it's been an honor to um to to have miss betty involved with us over these years i mean we just really do love you guys and uh it is a it is a time of rejoicing but it was it was, uh, it really, you know, it helps you to, sometimes you need a little fruit to know that you're teaching okay and people are getting the message okay. And uh, I, I, I kind of wish you were here when we got the word because what you heard was the entire room went, Woo! Yay! Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Jesus! And I thought, man, if somebody saw that, they'd think we were loony. But no, we rejoice. We're excited. Uh, that she's in, yeah, uh, she's she's crossed the uh, the eternity, the door, the the gate of life, and we're so excited. Well, praise the Lord, Miss um, Brooke. If you'll bring up those pictures, I know many of you are curious about how the meetings went, and the meetings went phenomenally. We had quite the treat we were not expecting. Um, this is Brother Randy and his wife, Miss Patty. And then those of you that have ever heard Brother Randy give his testimony, you've heard about Chaplain Browder. Chaplain Browder was the man that when Brother Randy cast out his first demon out of Robert, remember he was, he, the Lord had dealt with him about casting out a demon and casting out demons and he, he led him to cast out the demon out of Robert and he, and Robert hated Chaplain Browder. And he got Robert to go to the chapel, go up to the chapel, and Robert didn't want to go. He had three demonic spirits um, controlling him. One possessed him, and the other two controlled him as well. And um, he he took him up there, and he said, "I got you know." He said, "Just sit down right here. I I, I got to talk to the chap for just a minute." And Robert, real quick, said, "I hate that man. I don't know. I don't want him talking. I don't want him praying for me." And, and, and Robert had had a lot of money, and he had several lawsuits actually against Chaplain Browder trying to get him fired because of these demons. And uh, he and so Brother Randy went into the chap's office right there at the chaplain, and he told Chaplain Browder, he said, he said, uh, he said, I got Robert out here. He said, you got who? And he pulled back the curtain and looked. He said, what are you doing got him up here? Don't you know that man hates me? He's trying to get me fired and all this. 
And, and Brother Randy told him, he said, listen, he said, the Lord told me that he has three demons and that the Lord wanted me to cast them out. And so I brought him up here. And uh, Chaplain Browder said, well, he said, I tell you what. He said, let me talk to him for just a minute. And, uh, and, and I'm kind of getting it out of order a little bit. But he said, right, let me just verify that he wants this done. And, uh, and uh, so he said, okay. And, and uh, he talked to Robert for just a minute. He said, Robert, I understand you want Brother Randy to pray for you. Yeah, I want him, but I don't want you. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to step out. I'm going to let you all use my office. And uh, what have you. He got permission. And it was just Brother Randy and Chaplin again. And, and Brother Randy was basically saying, Chap, aren't you going to help me do this? Or aren't you going to do this? And Chaplin said, the Lord didn't tell me to do it. He told you to do it. And he left the room. <laughs> he left the room. Uh, but they were, they were, he was outside the door. And when they were casting these demons, when Brother Randy and Dixon and um, the other gentleman, um, it'll come to me, uh, were casting this demon out, that controlling spirit, Brother Randy commanded that demon to come out of Robert, that foul, it was a homosexual spirit, a controlling spirit, and a lying, and spirit. A lying spirit. These were the, three, were the three spirits this man had. And when he commanded that, that, uh, that controlling spirit to come out of him, out of Robert, he said all of a sudden this, this very different groggly voice came up that demon looked at him, grabbed a hold of his vocal cords, and said, you ain't got the power, come back when you get it. And Brother Randy and Dixon and um, the other gentleman with him, I think it was Don with him, they all looked at each other like, let's go, Jack, we'll come back when we get the power. But then the Holy Spirit came on them. And they, and they, ca and they proceeded to cast the demon out. And in doing so, that controlling spirit knocked the power out in the entire prison. That controlling spirit knocked that power out. And when that happened, the prison went into lockdown. But they had to get... And so Chaplain Browder uh, stuck his head back in the door and said, The demon knocked the power out. He don't want you to, to cast that demon out. Y'all just keep doing it. I'll keep the guards off you as long as I can. And, they, and, and Dixon was a bodybuilder that, that uh, wasn't completely fully sanctified is the way Brother Randy says it. And uh, he grabbed a hold of, he could, he could bench press 490 pounds or something like that, praying in tongues. Anyway. It was a massive amount. And uh, so he grabbed a hold of Richard, uh, Robert from the other side of the desk, grabbed him, shook him like an old uh, bulldog with a bone, and said, you foul demon, come out of that man like my pastor told you to, and slammed him back down. <laughs> but eventually the demon came out, and uh, Robert got born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, and uh, Robert was so free that he couldn't stand up. And they're locking the prison down. And so uh, Chaplin said, get him out of here, get him out of here, and they had to get him over to D block and what have you and so Dixon grabbed Robert up underneath his arm like a sack of potatoes and I'm just giving you the very short version brother Randy said he was singing in tongues at this end and kicking in tongues at that end and Dixon was running with him and uh, they had to run across the yard to get him to the D block and uh, he uh, and and they noticed that the warden was in the middle of the of the yard 
yelling, lockdown, lockdown. And Brother Randy looked at Chaplain Browder, this man right here, and said, Chap, do something. Because he knew, you know, they'd all get in trouble uh, for not being where they were supposed to be. And Robert, you know, singing in tongues at this end and kicking in tongues at that end. So Chaplain Browder they apparently... Figured, they figured carrying another prisoner under your arms is probably not something good when the guards are locking down the prison. Yeah, probably not a good plan. Uh, so they yelled at Chaplain Browder, and Chaplain Browder did verify this. He was a much he he was he was heavier back in that day. He had a heavier belly in that day, and uh, but he apparently went bouncing out across the yard, waving his hands like this with his belly bouncing, going spiritual experience, spiritual experience. And uh, so we've heard about uh, Chaplain Browder for years. They've had lots of different encounters. We've heard a lot about him. And uh, the first night Brother Randy told us, he said, I got an email from Chaplain Browder yesterday or today, and they told us that they're coming tomorrow. They'll be here tomorrow. And so this is Chaplain Browder and his wife. And for the first time, 99% of us in the room found out that Chaplain Browder was a brother and not a white man. <laughs> there was great talk in the entire meeting. Everybody was going, did you know? We said, we had no idea. Uh, but he and his wife came in. If you'll switch to the other picture, they brought a bunch of people with them. They brought 12 people with them. Then, the, then two others found out about the meeting, and they came along. So this was the group that came, and uh, we had such a good time, and they were all so sweet and so kind and and uh, they were just as blessed and just as humble and just as honored to be there as we were to have them there. Um, but it was so fun because Brother Randy told the story about uh, about Robert getting set free and, and uh, some other things that had happened. And it was so neat to have Chaplain Browder sitting on the front row confirming everything. It was such a neat experience. Um, and so they were there and... And uh, I, I got to sit with his wife in the last service that they were in. And uh, I told her at the end, I said, because I had to do some, inter I was helping Brother Randy get some things arranged for her and Chaplain Browder. And, and I told her, I said, I said, if I get to, I said, because I, I, said, I was working, I said, I planned if I got a chance to talk to your husband, I was going to tell him I had a bone to pick with him. And she said, you do? And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, well, honey, what is it? And I said, well, I said, just, I said, Brother Randy, I said, I've been with him for a long time. I said, he's my spiritual dad. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. It's a good one to have. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I said, and uh, I kind of follow along that line of casting out demons like Brother Randy. And I have to tell you, I'm not real thrilled with it. And she said, oh, I understand that. I said, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good to get people free. But she said, I understand what you're saying. And I said, and uh, now that I, I said, now being in this meeting with him and, and Brother Randy, I said, I now know it's his fault. <laughs> it's Chaplain Browder's fault. Because Brother Randy blamed Chaplain Browder for this, this anointing. And I said, so now it's his fault. So now I get to blame him. And she said, oh, honey, she said, I'll tell him. <laughs> I said, well, good. <laughs> so it, it, was, it was a very humbling experience it, meeting the man. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you think about it, Brother Randy was, there's no doubt Brother Randy has been called by God. And yes. that, that That he is who he is today because of the Lord. But 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 uh, Chaplain Browder, if it hadn't been for him and his right. support of Brother Randy and, uh, and of what God called 
yeah. called Brother Andy to do. Brother Andy would never have done what he did. That's right. If, uh, Chaplain Browder could have said, no, you're not going to preach in my chapel. This is my chapel. I'm doing it. You go sit down. Yeah. And that would have been the end of it. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He's, he he went with what the Lord, he listened to what the Lord had to say, what the Holy Spirit had to say, and he he let Brother Randy, um, and, and supported Brother Randy in his growth in Christ. I mean, yes, I know Brother Randy says that, that, uh, that uh, Kenneth Hagin is his spiritual father, yeah. but this man was the predecessor to Kenneth Hagin in his life. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, and, and uh, it's just, it was just very neat to meet him. Uh, I'm not sure how old he is, but uh, he just told when I first met him, he told me he said, he said I just got back from Haiti. I think he said last month. He's 80, 81. He's 81. Mm-hmm. He just got back from Haiti. Uh, he said, and I'm just now slowing down in the ministry. Got his home, got a few things settled, what have you. He said, my wife told me. That he said, I, I, he said, I barely got settled. My wife told me that Brother Randy was down here in Pensacola. And I said, he is. And she said, yeah. He said, well, come on, we're going. And in a matter of a day or two, they had 12, 14 people right there with them. And uh, so he, they're still ministering. They're still going big and strong. And, and uh, the other thing that we found out is uh, he had only been, I don't know if you've ever, you may have heard Brother Randy talking about, uh, that that the, that they used to do church at the chicken coop at the prison. Uh, that was under Chaplain Browder. Uh, in fact, Chaplain Browder got up. He ran to give him a few minutes to speak, and he said that the governor of Alabama made him the chaplain. They pers- personally appointed him as the chaplain. As of the that chaplain, and, you know, and this is in the 1980, in the early 1980s. So and that he's was a, a young black deal. man, and the governor of Alabama appointed him as. So that's a big deal. And uh, so he said he'd only been at the prison two weeks, and uh, they had they started yelling lockdown, 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 and they even locked him out of his chicken coop chapel. And he went to the two he'd only been there two weeks, and he went to the warden. And uh, now, mind you, the governor has the, was the one that appointed him. And he went to the warden. He said, "I can't work here." You lock in the warden said, Calm down. What, what, "What do you mean you can't work here?" He said, "You locked down my chapel. It's a chicken coop, and you locked it down." He said, "I can't do this." And he said, "Calm down, calm down. Let's work some things out." And so, uh, so he see, he's just a very entertain, very very humble man. And um, it was great to, to for him to be there and. Uh, I mean, it, it was very refreshing to Brother Randy, and um, and uh, I think it helped. Honestly, I think it really helped Brother Randy to preach some of the things that he needed to preach in this meeting, because some of the things that he preached was not easy to preach. And I think that Chaplain Browder being there, I really think it was a God appointment, uh, because some of the stuff was not easy to minister. Um, and I want to, we're going to kind of minister kind of along the same lines. We're going to kind of hit and miss a couple of different things. And uh, we'll just see where the Lord takes us. Let's start off in Mark chapter 11. Hopefully Mark we don't 11. Miss anything. Huh? Hopefully we don't miss anything. Yeah, we're, we're going to kind of <laughs> venture around a little bit. All right, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And, uh, of course, we're going to read right here. I'm sure you know where we're going. Verse 22. Let's just read uh, Mark um, 11, 22 uh, to to, uh, 24. All right. 
And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Of course, we know that this means have faith like God. You know, have, or the you know, God kind of Or faith. operate in the God kind of faith. Uh, and what is the God kind of faith? It's the kind of faith that created the world. That's right. And it's that's, an unwavering faith. It's, it's, it's a faith that doesn't waver back and forth. When, the, when God's faith speaks, he expects it to create. Let's keep going. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. What Notice it says in verse uh, 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. What you desire, you need to pray for. You need to pray for. But you've got to build your faith in it. You've got to build your faith in it. Um, but I want you to back up just a little bit. And I want you to see right here, he said, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to pick up about part way through 23. He says, uh, but shall believe that those things which he saith, I'm kind of in the middle there, those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall, he or see, he or she shall have whatsoever they saith. Brother Randy pointed out that if you do not, you cannot go where you have not declared. You cannot go where you have not declared. One of the things that Satan has us doing all the time is declaring what we currently have. We, we have a habit of declaring, I have a sickness. I have a pain. I have a pain. I have a lack. I'm, I'm without. You know, if I had no luck, if I, if I had no luck, I'd have no luck at all. Or if I, didn't have, if, I, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. That's the way it goes. You know, oh, there's a hole in my pocket. You know, as soon as my check comes in, it's gone. I'm without. Uh, no, uh, that's, that's, that's the devil's language. We talk the devil's language, and God said, you'll have what you say. So if you want to change your tomorrow, you have to change what you're saying. If you're constantly saying, I'm afraid of this, or I'm fearful of this, or I'm afraid of this, or maybe you're not saying it, but you're thinking it, well, if you're not declaring different, you're not going to get different. You know, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and the peace and a sound mind. So, but we've got to declare it. Everything that God created, he created by declaration. And everything that you're going to have, you're going to have it by declaration. So if you're not declaring what you want to see, you will never see it. You'll never see it. You know, Brother Randy's son, Randall, one of his favorite sayings is, is say that twice more and you'll have it. 
Yeah, when somebody's murmuring, somebody's complaining, somebody's saying, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I can't get this, I'm going to, he'll just, he'll just look at him, he'll say, just, come on, just say it two more times and you'll have it. Yep. Come on, just say it, it really two more times and you'll have it. It really makes you stop and think about what you're saying. You know, uh, no, we want, we've got to declare some things. Well, there's some things that we've been believing for that we need to declare. We've been, de- we, we, we believe that, um, you know, there's an end-time move of God. There is an end-time move of God greater than that that we read about in the book of Acts. That was the former reign. But we want to get to the latter reign. Right. And another thing that Brother Randy pointed out in this meeting is that we're so busy praying, God, send the power, send the power, send the power. But the Lord told him three, four years ago, he said, stop praying for the power. It's already been sent. He said, start praying that you qualify for the power. When was the last time you declared? Don't answer this out loud. When was the last time you declared, I'm qualifying for the power? Lord, I'm getting in position for the power. Lord, help me to get to the place where I qualify for the power that's already been poured out. See, we're not, because we're not declaring that we're getting there, we're not getting there. We've got to declare, Lord, when was the last, you know, we've got to declare, Lord, I'm consecrating myself for the master's use. That word consecrate means you're separating yourself. You're taking yourself and you're separating yourself. How much do you know the word said, be not conformed to this world. But we're so busy trying to fit in that we're totally missing being ready for the master's use. You know, you know, conformed and fit in is the same thing. Right. If you're trying to fit in, you're trying to conform. And God tells us not to conform. Right. So we've got to we've got to come un we, we gotta we gotta we've got to consecrate we've got to separate and I was looking at that word this morning consecrate and in and in certain contexts that word consecrate means crown it means diadem a diadem what is a diadem a diadem is the royal crown of majesty. So when we consecrate ourselves, we're separating ourselves and we're positioning ourselves to be a recipient of the royal diadem, that, to have that royal crown, to be in that royal place. How much do you know? I don't, I don't know how much any of y'all look at this stuff, but I, I've always found the time of the kings very fascinating. I've always found the time of the kings very fascinating because it was a very different culture. It was a very different time, and the kings were very much separated. Regular common people didn't just get around the kings. The kings and the queens were very, very much so separated, and they had people around them that kind of were like a buffer from the rest of the world because they were so separated. So when I think about when I think about this word consecrated and it being associated with the crown and the royal diadem, man, that means in order to be consecrated, I really have to look different than the world. 
really have to be very different than the world. And how much do you know, if you think about, just let's, let's look at just some of our New Testament heroes. Think about John the Baptist. How different was John the Baptist? I mean, John the Baptist was, was crazy wild. He, he didn't dress like the other people dressed. He didn't talk like the other people talked. He didn't eat what other people ate. He lived a very different lifestyle. But how much do you know? He was full of godly power. Now, what separated him was something incredible that happened while he was still in the womb. He was baptized with the Holy Ghost before the Holy Ghost was poured out upon all people. And, 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 and uh, God told his parents, told his dad, he said, he's not to drink any wine. He's, he's not to, he, I mean, he was supposed to, he said he's to be separated. That word consecrate is actually even the word um, Nazarite. That's where they get the word Nazarite from. Samson was a Nazarite. You know, and what does that mean? It means that you live very differently. Very, very differently. Well, how much do you know? If you're going to effectively remove mountains, you're going to have to be different. Amen. You're going to be. You're going to have to be different to effectively move mountains. Uh, and um, there's something that the devil is trying real hard to do. I want you to turn to. Um, Matthew chapter 12. Now, I had never really thought about this much, and I had never considered this much until probably a little bit before service. Uh, Matthew 12, verse 43. Now, it's going to look like we're going to take a hard left and go in a totally different direction, but we're not. Matthew 12, 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Now, these are Jesus' words. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. We're talking about the unclean spirit now. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto, his, unto this wicked generation. Glory to God. He said, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man. We often use this verse when we're dealing only with people that have been demon-oppressed demon, um, or demon-possessed. But I believe that this, that this even applies for people that have been demon-obsessed where demons have gotten control of people's minds. I really believe that. Um, and uh, he said this. He said, look at what he said. He said, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man... That spirit walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. The next verse gives us some very important points here. Let's go to verse 44. It says, and he saith, the demon. The demon says, I will return into my house. Demons that attach themselves to people 
think of those people as their home or their dwelling place. They're, they take, yeah, they, it's their dwelling place. I've dealt with some demons, and one in particular I dealt with, uh, he, and I was like, listen, <laughs> it's silly that you have to speak to him. And I wasn't being casual with this demon by any means. But this, this, this particular demon, despite we were using the name of Jesus, did not want to go. It was holding on with every last breath. They will hold on because they don't want to leave. Um, and, I, and I finally said to the demon in the person, I said, listen, do you not know who Jesus is? And that demon said, I know Jesus. I said, do you not know that you have to listen to the name of Jesus? I know it. Then why will you not leave? And all of a sudden, like a small little child, it said, because this is my home. Where, where will I go? Stupid. And I said, I don't care. Go back to the pit. Get out in Jesus' name. And then it went. It was holding on. See, when a demon is cast out, you're literally evicting it from its house. And it wants to come back to that house. Now, notice he said, we'll come back to our house, and when he comes, he findeth it, what? Empty. Empty. This is very important. He finds the house empty. In other words, no other spirit has moved in. The Holy Spirit hasn't moved in. No other spirit. Be careful. Let's, let's just hold on. Don't get ahead of me. He says, he findeth it empty and swept. And garnished. What does this mean? It means that the house has been prepared for the demon. Be careful. That, what does that mean? That means that that person has stepped back in to some type of sin. Yep. If, that demon, if that demon's home was your mind... And you have not cleaned out your mind of filthy thinking? If you have not learned to, to capture every thought that goes against God? If you have not filled your mind with the word of God? If you have filled your mind on the music of the world? If you have filled your mind on, on, the, on TV? If you filled your mind with internet filth, if you filled your mind with lust, then your mind is empty of the things of God, swept of the things of God, and garnished with sin. And say, and that demon goes, oh, my home has been prepared for me. Has In been fact, prepared it's been for so me. So well prepared, I think I'll invite some friends over. Exactly, man. This house is ready. Let me read the next verse. Let's go to forty-five. He go. He looks at. He looks at the filth of the house. Is he concerned to be gone just a little bit longer? No, because the house is already prepped for him. He says, "Hey, let me go to the store. <laughs> let me go down here to my. To, to let me go get uh, and take to himself." Seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they will enter in and dwell there. This is why God said, be not conformed to this world. This is why he says in Corinthians, take every thought captive. This is why, 
And I truly believe this is the case because I have prayed for people that have had an oppressed mind and they won't do the work. And at some point later on, because they refuse to do the work, they, next time I'm dealing with them, the oppression is worse. You need to understand, I cannot do the work for you. Pastor Mike cannot do the work for you. Your mama, your daddy, your children, your aunts, your uncles, your Christian friends cannot keep you clean and away from the demons. You must do it yourself. Now, they can help and support. We can help you. We can support you. We can lead you. We can guide you. But if you refuse to speak to wrong thoughts, there's nothing we can do. If you refuse to put down secular influence, you refuse to there's cruci- nothing we can to do. crucify your flesh of the of the sins of of man and the sins of the world, you're just you're just preparing the place for the demon to come back. This also applies with spirits of infirmity. If you kick out spirits of infirmity and you walk in divine health and then you back off of your healing, You back off on confessing that you're healed. You back off on studying on healing. You back off on some things. You back off on understanding that you're divinely healed. Things will come back on you. And then you've got to go back to work again. It's far better just to keep going in the right direction than to let things slip. What you say is what you have. If you are constantly saying, I'm fearful, or you're failing to say, I'm a woman of faith, a man of faith, Satan can't touch me, I take authority. If you refuse to say, Satan, I take authority over that thought in Jesus' name, then he will fill your mind with his filth. You cannot have what you will not declare. If you will not declare that you have stable emotions, you will not have stable emotions. If you will not declare that you do not have, that you are not given to a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear will always be on top of you. What did Job say? Job said, the thing that, the very thing that I feared came upon me. Why? Because you gave in to the fear by not doing what God said. Go to James chapter 4. Verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God told you, submit to me. Submit to me and resist the devil. If you will not resist, those demons that have taunt you in the times of past will taunt you again. They will come back around, and they will try to set up residency Within your mind, within your body, within your spirit, if you get to the point where you reject God, 
And there are people out there that were born again, heaven bound, but that but they allow the demon to get a hold of their mind, then let the demon get a hold of their bodies, and then let the de- and then rejected God, emptied their spirit out of God, and then and then that demon filled their spirit with God. This is why God said, "Protect your mind first." Because that is the entry place. Your mind. And so when your mind comes under attack, that's when you got to get your tongue working. That's when you got to get your tongue working. You will not have what you do not declare. If you want a peaceful mind, you've got to walk around. I have the peace of God. 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 Well, I'm just tired of saying that. Well, get it down in your spirit. Cause it to be a reality. I guarantee you, it's far better to walk around going, I have the peace of God. I have the peace of God. I have the peace of God. Than it is to have a demon bombarding your mind with elements of fear. But the only way you're going to make fear go is to confront fear. Amen. You need to write that down. The only way you will make fear go is to confront fear. What does he, what did Jesus, what did the scriptures tell us? Submit yourself to God. What did God say? Speak. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yes. I set before you this day, life and death, choose life. How do you choose life? With your tongue. With your tongue, you've got to speak. Say it with me. I must speak, speak to overcome the enemy. To overcome the enemy. Say it again. I, I must, must speak, speak to, to overcome, overcome the, the enemy. enemy. Say it again. I, I must speak to overcome, overcome the enemy. I must speak to overcome the enemy. I must speak to overcome the enemy. Well, this seems awful elementary. Well, if you would get a hold of it, we could move up a grade. Come on. Now, the, the next thing that says is you've got to resist the devil. Now, that does, that's, that's not a one and done thing. No. no. That's not a, oh, I resist uh, you, devil. No. No. No, it's a... And stay. But I'm coming right back. Stay. I'm coming right back. No. I resist you and I resist right you. Back. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Stop it. Did it say? Wait yes, a minute. it does say he will flee. Wait a minute. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you immediately. No. Resist the devil and he will flee from you and never return. Resist the devil and he will flee from you and and be afraid of you forever and ever. No. No. He said resist and he will. How much do you know will is future tense? Will is future tense. You have to resist and resist and resist and resist and resist. And resist 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 until he gets a clue. 
at you. Let me just be super transparent. And resisting is not passive. It's active. It's active. It takes effort. And it takes discipline. Because the devil's going to try and distract you from your resisting. Oh, look, shiny stuff. Oh, wow. You know, I, I'm a man. Shiny stuff is real easy for Tool, me. Tools. <laughs> tools. Let's not say shiny stuff. That's blink. Tools. Oh, tools. In fact, there was a new, there's a new tool store on the way home. And I knew about it for like about a month before Michael recognized it. And we were driving home, and he said, Honey, that says tools, tools, tools. I said, Keep driving. <laughs> Keep driving. Then we were headed down to Florida, and we went through uh, Blue Ridge. Hadn't been to Blue Ridge in a while. And he was driving, and he says, There's a harbor freight. There's a harbor <laughs> freight, honey. And I said, keep driving. He said, honey, that's a man's store. He said, honey, it's right next to Tractor Supply. He said, I think we need to stop. I said, we ain't got time. We ain't got time. Glory to God. That's, that's the trap. Tools. That's, that's one, that is a trap. But that's not the one we're talking about. But, but his point is, is the devil's going to hang something out there. You're going to grab a hold of it. And because you won't let it go, many people, the devil will come at people with a single fear. And because they will not, because they will not resist that fear, they'll grab a hold of it. Well, what if this does happen? Well, what if that does happen? Well, what if this and what if that? What are they doing? They're trapped. So, so, They're so, trapped. So fears of the devil, right? Let me see this hand. So you got a hold of this fear over here. But you're going, get away from me, devil. Get yeah. away from me, devil. How does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't work. He said, he said, submit yourself to God first. And I said, let me just be super transparent. So you guys know I've dealt with some low iron. It causes anemia. It causes all kinds of symptoms and everything. Well, the last time I got the, the, uh, the iron infusion, um, I was like, that's it. I'm done with this, Satan. We're not doing this anymore. And I was having to do it every year. And I said, we're not doing this anymore. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And every day I'd get up, Father, I thank you that my iron levels are stable. Father, I thank you that my iron levels aren't going down. Father, I thank you that I'm redeemed from the curse. Father, I thank you that I'm redeemed. And you know what? My iron levels stayed up. They stayed up. They did. They stayed up. But little bit over little bit, I'd have a I'd have a fatigued day. I'd have a I'd have a I'd have a brain fart. And what's the first thing she says? And what's the first thing I say? Oh my gosh, my I'm having this dropping. issue. My iron's dropping. I'm like, don't say that. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Kill that seed. Rebuke that seed. But before I realized it, I was I was back on my irons dropping. And all of a sudden, my irons and it is. I went to the doctor, had my blood work done. He said, man, your iron's dropping all of a sudden. Currently, even at this moment, I have a ringing, not in my ears, but in the back of my head. It's a common, and it gets so bad that I cannot even think straight. Michael was reading the Bible to me yesterday, and I finally got, I said, I can't do this. I said, I can't focus. I can't do this. I said, I got to go lay down. And I went and I turned on my healing scriptures and I was laying there listening to the healing scriptures, meditating. And the Lord said, you have what you said. And I said, Lord. Yeah. I said, Lord, you're right. 
He said, you've not been resisting, you've been receiving. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord. I said, I repent for every seed that I've sowed. Father, I rebuke those seeds. I pull them up by faith in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. And I started doing what Lillian B. Yeoman told her people that were on their deathbed. She'd, she'd go and read them some scripture in the morning, and then she'd say this. She'd say, I want you to confess whatever their illness was. One lady in particular was TB. TB, according, <clears throat> according to the book of the law, TB is of the curse. Jesus has redeemed me from the curse. So I started all night long because, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get settled because of this ringing. It's just so bad. And I just started finally confessing. Father, anemia is of, according to the Bible, anemia is of the curse. And according to Galatians 3.13, Jesus has redeemed me from the curse. And I just over and over and over again, Father, according to the law, anemia is of the curse. And I am been, and Jesus has redeemed me from the curse. And I just, I just kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And it's, and it's starting to back off. It's starting to back off. Praise God. But see, I've given that demon of infirmity access for months. So do you think the first time I say it, he's going to redeem, he's going to leave me? Nope. No, because I've given him access. So now I'm going to have to resist for months. And fight. And I'm going to have to fight the good fight of faith because I've opened the door. And now I've got to fight for my healing again. And because I fought for my healing and got free before, do you think he's going to let it go so easy this time? No. I'm going to have to fight Seven times longer and harder, and I mean, not really because of the goodness of God, but the Satan is going to fight me. He's going to fight me seven times harder, which means I've got to bow up, and I've got to stay in the fight until I get this thing under control. Amen. I have to. So, you've got to always stay submitted, and you've got to always resist now once i get it under control will i have to continue to fight that hard for the rest of my life no but i am going to have to guard my life more cautiously than i did before and continue to resist and i'm going to have to continue to rest resist so once it's under control once my iron levels come back up once everything stabilizes when a symptom comes, instead of saying, oh, I think my iron's dropping, I'm going to have to say, uh-uh, I'm not accepting that. I'm not receiving that. I'm just fine. I'm the healed of the Lord. Satan, you have no right to put sickness on me in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that I am the redeemed of the Lord. I used to sing that all day, every day. Father, just call me the redeemed. Father, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. That used to, I mean, I sung it all day, every day. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Because when you're redeemed, that means that Satan, he has, no, he has nothing he can put on you. But I've gotten out of the habit. Every time Jesus set somebody free, he said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. I tend to think that was one of, one, 
the first part of that's one of Jesus' favorite sayings. Go and sin no sin more. Sin no more. I bet he said that way more times than it's in the Bible. Jeez. <laughs> guarantee it. I guarantee you when it I guarantee you when it said he healed them all, I guarantee you to them all he said, Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. But man, have we just grabbed a hold of sin and just held on to it? Now, if you go on down to the next verse, uh, after after it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. This means yes. resist the devil and push into God. That's Pull, right. Study, pray, worship. Get the word in you. Draw closer to him and he's going to draw closer to you, which will make it easier to Absolutely. resist the devil. That's what that's what I said. See, two one of two things is going to fill your mind. Let me be very clear. One of two kingdoms is going to fill your mind. Either the kingdom of Satan is going to fill your mind, which he'll do it without you even trying, or the kingdom of God is going to fill your mind, and you have to do that on purpose. You have to be active in that. And if you'll fill your mind with the things of God, then it will then you'll be drawing near to God. And he will draw near to you. And he will draw near to you. And it says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Oh, my goodness. We've all all been there. But we're supposed to wash our hands of that and leave it and and don't turn back to it. I'm going to say it this way. Wash your minds, you sinners. Yep. Get your minds clean. Yep, that is how we cleanse our hands. And and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Which means we have to be singularly minded on God. We have to focus on God and not on the sins of the world that, the, that we might want to take part in, which we should not. So Then it goes on and it says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Well, that doesn't sound good. No. Why should we be doing that? It says, let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. You know what this is about? This is about grieving for the sins that you committed. This is about going to the Lord and saying, I am so sorry I did these things. Uh, That's what he says when he wants you to to turn your laughter into mourning and your joy into heaviness. He doesn't want you to stay there, but he wants you to realize that what you've done has laid more sins upon his son. And he wants you to be sorry for that and and apologetic for that and, and mournful for that. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So if we do this, he's going to lift us up. He's going, to, he's going to carry us out of these sins. He's going to carry us out of these pains and out of these troubles and trials. Well, is this part of what Brother Randy talked about? Yes, it is. He talked about that God is calling us to draw near to him. Go to Revelation. Go to Revelation. Where at? Uh, I believe it's chapter 3. This is the one I want. I'll tell you in just a second. Yeah, Revelation 3. Oh, the knocking. You found it. Good job. (laughs) So Brother Randy heard, right as the new year turned, midnight. He kept hearing four knocks and then a pause. Four knocks and then a pause. Four knocks and then a pause. Four knocks, and then a pause. It was so loud that he actually got up out of bed and thought, there's somebody at my front door. And then as he was headed to the front door, he realized, no, wait a minute. 
I'm hearing that in the spirit. I'm hearing that in the spirit. And so when he realized he heard it in the spirit, he said, Lord, is that you? And I'm, I don't, I was looking, I, I had it on a paper, but I've misplaced my paper, my email. Uh, but essentially, this is what he said. In, in this part, you'll recognize um, from Matthew and some other places, he said, Behold, I stand in the door and knock. If any man will seek me, I'll answer. That's the first part of what he said. And then he said this. He said, the Lord said this. He said, verse 4, he said, um, let me get it. Let me get it close. Help me, Holy Ghost. He said, "If any of them, if any will stand," he said, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will seek me, I will. I will answer. But I do not receive your Latodosian, verse fourteen, lukewarm worship." That's what the Lord said what he said let's read this uh revelations chapter 3 starting in verse 14 all right and unto the angel of the church of the laodiceans write these things saith the amen the unfaithful and true or the excuse me the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of god this is this is what the lord had to say I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That doesn't sound good. Nope. Because thou... You want me to stop? All right. No, go ahead. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor. And blind and naked. Yeah, let's stop right there. Even, so even when you think you've got everything's going great, you, you get complacent. You get complacent. Go to Matthew chapter seven. The Lord actually pulled about three or four different verses together in what He spoke, but I want you to see it. We all knew the behold, uh, but but many of us don't think about these verses here a whole lot. Matthew chapter seven and uh, verse six. Verse 6, all right. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again to rend you. Keep going. Ask, and it shall be given. I'm sorry, not Matthew, Mark. I was oh, like, okay. what is happening there? Mark. He talked about that verse, too. Yeah, he did. But that's not where we're going. I'm sorry, Mark 7. Mark 7, okay, that's different. I thought, wait a minute, that's not where I was trying to go. Mark 7 in verse 6. six. Okay. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Keep going. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. In this, he said, Behold, he stands at the door and knock. In other words, God wants to fellowship with us. 
God wants us to fellowship. But then he said, I do not receive your vain worship. Those are the words that the Lord used. He said, because you worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me, then that's when he said, I do not accept your Laodicean worship. In other words, we're giving worship, saying, Lord, we love you. Lord, here we are. Lord, we honor you. Lord, we give you praise. But then the rest of the time, our walk with God is cold. Or, I mean, is lukewarm. Lukewarm. It's lukewarm. And God said, and he followed it up with this. He said, go and declare unto my people that many will not be ready for me at my coming. He told Brother Randy, he said, go and declare it. Many of my own people will not be ready for me at my coming because they're giving ear to devils and seducing spirits. And then he told Brother Randy, he said, don't be afraid, I'll be with you. Now, he, now, Brother Randy is commanded to take that to the entire nation, to take that message to the entire nation. But if the entire nation doesn't show up to hear it, that's not on Brother Randy. That's on the people. There were a lot of people that were meant to be at the meeting that didn't go. I mean, we know of a lot of them. Now, some of them didn't make it because of weather incidences and things like that, but they made arrangements to get media. A lot of them did, or they'll get it later. But there should have been a lot more present than there was. Because God, you know, when it was, when it was Dad Hagen's day, Kenneth Hagen's day, when it was back in that period, you know, a lot of ministers were saying, and he said, uh, America has received her last call about the next move of God. God is no longer talking about the end time move of God. Uh, as I mean, yes, he's telling us you've got to get in position, you've got to get qualified. But God is, what he's talking about a lot is his coming. His coming, his coming, his coming. Yeah, we're going to move into this last day move of God because that's what's going to usher in his coming. But God is saying in a lot of places, in a lot of ways, before we ever went to this meeting, I kept hearing it stirring in my spirit, Laodicean, Laodicean. I just kept hearing that word over and over and over. And I was like, Lord, how much do you know? They were not ready for Christ. Because, and, and he said, he said, they're giving me worship with their mouth, but their heart is not with me. I'm going to go to another scripture. And I know, you know, oh, I want to go to church and I want to get lifted up and I want to get built up and I want to be encouraged. And I understand that. We all do. And that's why I did not want to preach this. I did not want to preach this. So in Matthew 25... It talks about the the bridegroom. Go there real quick. Starting in verse 1. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and... Five were foolish, and they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. 
But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were ready, uh, that were ready went in with him unto the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So when this is like when we when we're uh, when we're lukewarm. Yeah. When we're lukewarm, we're not we're not uh, following God. We're not studying. We're not worshiping like we should. We're not doing the things that we should. This is this is us being foolish. We're being the foolish brides. We're not keeping our lamp filled. When we, when we follow the Lord, when we're not lukewarm, when we're on fire for him, we're keeping our lamps filled. And when he comes, we'll be ready. But if we don't, if we, if we just take it, you know, take it easy and, and lackadaisical and we just, we just, we're just doing enough to get by, we're not going to be ready when he comes. Mm -mm. And that's going to be a problem. We're, he's going to turn to us and say, I never knew you. Yeah. And we don't want that. Why don't you turn to Luke 14? The biggest theme that Brother Randy talked about is there is a cost to pay. There is a cost. There is a cost to serving the Lord. There is a cost to the blessings of God. If you're going to walk in the blessings of God, and the blessings of God are well beyond worth it. Well beyond worth it. To get the curse out of your life, man, I'll pay the cost repeatedly. I will pay the cost. But there is a cost to pay. What is that cost? You're going to have to lose your life. That means the things that make you physically, emotionally, mentally satisfy your flesh you're going to have to die to those things you're going to have to if you're going to walk in the power the anointing the things if you're going to walk in the things that god has shown you and god has shown i mean i've had great conversations with everybody here god has shown you some great and marvelous things and yes they're they're scary i get it it's scary i've seen i've seen the coliseum that god plans for for me to stand in the pulpit of and he said these are your spiritual children are you kidding me i can barely take care of the handful i have but it's not my job to take care of you it's god's job right but is it terrifying yes is it terrifying when god says go cast that demon out of somebody oh yeah uh, yeah but you know what i'm not the one doing it i'm just the vessel i'm just the conduit when god says go lay hands on the sick i don't need to be afraid what if, well, what if God doesn't show up? Not my problem. Of course he's going to show up, but it's not my problem. If, if they don't get healed, that's their fault. 
Either they didn't have, either they didn't have the faith. Do you know that there's a lot of people that come to be healed, but they don't come to hear? And if you don't come to hear, you're not going to get healed. Because it was, when the people came to Jesus, they came to hear and to be healed. Today, most people come just to be healed. I've seen people interrupt a service. Can you lay hands on me? No, sit there and hear. Sit there and hear. Hear first. Build your faith first. The devil's been all over me because we have prayer and healing school. And he's like, you don't ever lay hands on anybody. I don't have to. I need them to hear first. Because I can lay hands on them all day long. I can rub the hair off of their head. But if they don't build faith, me rubbing the hair off their head is going to do nothing for them. Amen. But there's a price to pay. Luke 14. Luke 14. I want you to notice in verse 25, and it says, There went great multitudes with Jesus. Great multitudes went with Jesus. Now, this is not this scripture. We don't have time to go at it. But I encourage you to go look at when he sent out the 12 and when he sent out the 70. When he sent out the 12, there was multitudes following him. Multitudes were going from place to place, lesson to lesson, hearing him. In both accounts, they were hearing, they were, they were hearing, they were getting it. But in both occasions, Jesus only sent the first time. And now a multitude means hundreds to thousands. A great multitude means thousands to ten thousands or more. So here these multitudes and even these great multitudes are following them. And out of the multitudes... Twelve qualified to be sent out. Twelve. Great multitudes followed. Sometime later, a year or more later, they've had more time to hear and only 70 qualified. I believe the reason that 12 qualified the first time and 70 qualified the second time and that was all that qualified is because they were the only ones willing to pay the cost. That's what I believe. The Bible says that many are called. And there's people that have been with us for a long time. Then people have gotten up and testified. God's called me to minister. They're not even in the church anymore. They were called, but they didn't get chosen because they wouldn't pay the cost. They wouldn't pay the price. They would not pay the price. Look at what this says in verse 26. Now, they're going to hurt your feelings. I'll just tell you right now, Jesus is about to hurt your feelings. These are the words of Jesus. All right, let's go back to 25, though. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He said, in order to be my disciple, you have to hate your father. You have to hate your mother, your mother. You have to hate your brothers and your sisters, your wife and your children. You have to hate them. Wow, that sounds pretty brutal, Jesus. I'm going to read it this way. If any man come unto me and hate not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, his sports, his video games, his TVs, his secular music, 
Come on. His friends. His friends, his family, his downtime, his time on the lake, his fishing, his hunting. His car. His cars, his money, his, his finances. Come on. You've got... Now, does that mean that Jesus wants you to... Brother Derek, I just hate you. No, that's contradictory to the word. Does that, no. mean, does that mean that a man should leave his wife? No. no. What it means, does it mean, does it, it means that I should, that I have to say, Brother Derek, I love you, but I'm going to the house of God first. Yep. Brother Derek, you're, yeah, I love to hang out with you, have lunch with you, do whatever, but I'm going to the house of God first. <laughs> yeah, brother, I'd like to spend time with you, but that's my prayer time. That's my Jesus. I can't, I can't do that right now. I can meet you a little later, but I can't do it right there because that's my prayer time. That's my Bible study time. I got to put it on my calendar. Uh, no, I, oh, you're, we're doing it. We're doing a function at that time. No, I can't do that function. That's my That's my Jesus time. That's what he's talking about. If you're not willing to lay down the things of the flesh, how much you know? Dads, dads and moms, sisters and brothers, children's aunts, uncles, TV and all the other things of life, they will pull you away from God. And if you will not pay the cost, you will not, number one, you will not be a, a conduit for the power in this last day move of God. Number two, if you will not pay the price to get before God at, at times other than in the church house, you will not be ready at his calling away of the church. It's not you really, won't be ready. It's not really saying that you have to hate your mother, your brother, your father, your wife, your husband. He's not saying that. He's just saying when your mother, your brother, your wife, your father, the things of life want you to put them before me, don't do it. Yeah, if you'll go up, go. I encourage you to go back and read the rest of this verse or, or go back and read some of this different stuff because he talks about go go back and research doing the cost. He, there was one guy. It wasn't in this scripture. I believe it's in Matthew's account of this. One guy said he said, "Good Lord, I want to follow you," and Jesus said, "Why do you call me good?" He said, "I don't have." He said, "Listen." He said, "Fox have holes, birds have because the guy because the guy wanted basically what the guy was wanting to do is he was wanting to study under him at school." And Jesus said, I don't have a school, an institution. You, if you want to follow me, another one came to. So, so that guy got discouraged and went off because, because he got discouraged because Jesus said, I'm not going to teach you the way that traditionally is taught. And, and he said, well, if you're not going to do it the traditional way, I can't do it. Another one came to him at another time and said, Jesus, I'll follow you. But first, let me go bid my family goodbye. And Jesus said, we're going on. He said, go take care of your family. Another one said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but let me bury my dad first, my parents first. Let me bury him. You know what Jesus said? He said, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, he said, if you're going to let thing, worldly, fleshy things get in the way of you following me, then you don't qualify to be my disciple. Remember I talked about last week that under Jewish tradition and Jewish law under Mishana, in order to become a disciple, 
that child had to abandon their entire life. They left mama and daddy's home. They left mama and daddy's care. They left their brothers, their sisters. They left the family business. They left everything, went up under the, the master, under the rabbi, and they became like an identical twin to the rabbi. They, they learned how that, they learned that rabbi's teachings. They learned how that rabbi spoke. They learned how that rabbi behaved in life. They, I mean, they learned that rabbi right down to his mannerisms. I found it, I find something interesting in, in following God and following people and spiritual parents and things like that. I find it interesting that ministers that are very close to the Lord have a lot of very similar mannerisms when they're preaching. You'll find that, that many ministers, they'll, hit, they'll reach a certain place and they'll hit their hands together. And I believe what they're doing is they're becoming so much like Jesus that in the spirit they're picking up Jesus' mannerisms. That's my personal belief. Because you'll see them doing certain, you'll, you'll be like, huh, that's interesting. Or, or if they're not becoming like Jesus, they're, they're becoming like their fathers of faith. Why? Because they're learning from them. They're learning from them. And so he said, you cannot be my disciple. Let's go on and read a little bit more here in Luke, because I want you to see some things. All right. Uh, and his own life also cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Listen, Jesus said, Jesus said, you're going to have to bear a cross. Now, that doesn't mean that you put up with the devil attacking you because the devil's been beaten. But what it does mean is there's going to be certain things. In order for Jesus to go, down the, to, go to the cross, how much you know he had to lay down his life? In order for you to be Jesus' disciple, you you're going to, to have to your. lay down your life. There's going to be things that you're going to desire to do that you're not going to be able to do. Right now, Michael and I are in a season where, honestly, he would love to go on a vacation. He would love to go on a vacation. Like an actual, like, no ministry, no obligations, go do something fun, like, you know, an actual vacation. And we can't. We have a church. We have people to take care of. We have an obligation. And you know what? We're okay with it. What are we doing? That's part of our cross. That's part of our cross. Does, now, does that mean that at some point down the road, God won't bless him with a vacation? Of course God will. But right now, we're going to bear it on the cross. For right now we can go on vacation when we get to heaven that's right that's the way i look at it lord i guess i'll see the world when i get to heaven come on i got a job to do keep going all right for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all that behold, it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sinneth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand 
to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. In other words, oh, I, I, I'm going to start a war with you, but oh, you know what? You got twice as many men as me. Maybe I ought to look for peace. Or he wants to have peace, but he feels obligated to go start a war. Come on. Do you not know? Do you know that our American military is is based on a need for war? Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I'm telling you. There are certain levels of rank that you cannot obtain unless you have wartime experience. So therefore, in order for those commanders to get that wartime experience, we have to go to war. Well, they desire peace, but yet everything about their establishment is established on war. Come on, count the cost. So likewise, whatsoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Have an ear to hear this morning. You, there is a cost to pay. And I've read that time and time again, and I didn't understand it. And then the Lord showed me. He said, this is, the, this is the person that says I'm a Christian, but there's no fruit. There's no, they're not paying the price. They won't be. These are people that come to, they come to church to get their ticket punched. But there's no fruit. There's no cost. There's no, and how much do you know? That makes a mockery of the kingdom of God. No, there is a cost to pay to have the blessings of God. And you want to pay them. There's good news to pay them. Well, so you're telling me I can't enjoy my life at all? No, you can enjoy your life. Michael and I, we have a great life. We enjoy our life. We've got good friends. We've got good fellowship. We've got people that will encourage us. God takes care of us. We have all the sufficiency that we need. We have fun times in our life. We do, we do have periods of time where we get to take a break and go enjoy things, maybe not to the degree that we want to, but we do. Uh, Dad Hagen said this. He said he has traveled all over the United States and a good portion of Canada, and he has seen very little of it. Because, and here's why. Because he would travel mainly at night. He would get up. He would preach, rest, preach, rest, preach, get up, travel at night, and go again. But you know what? He didn't miss out on anything in his life. He left out of here, uh, and, and it was practice for him. Him and his wife personally sowed, a mil- personally, not their ministry, them personally were able to sow a million dollars a year. And he grew up, and he came up with nothing. When he first started preaching, he had to walk everywhere he went, and he had holes in the bottom of the only pair of shoes he had because he wore a hole in them walking to go minister. He paid the price, and God honored him. God said in the the book of the law, he said, if you will do what I tell you to do, if you will hearken to my voice, I will command the blessing." You can't stop the blessing if you will just do what he says. 
You'll just do what he says. Now, on a final note, Michael and I have made a commitment. We're, 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 getting, ser- we're getting even more serious with this than we have. That's why Pastor Mike was, repent- was, was praying the way he was this morning. When hands were laid on us at the end of the meeting, Brother Randy, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, it was the Holy Spirit, and something happened in this time that I don't think I've ever witnessed before. But he laid hands on us, and he said, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. He said it so many times, I thought, is he going to say anything different? A little here and a little there. And uh, he said, a little here and a little there. He said, um, but it's, he said, but it's time for a stream, for, for a steady, he said, but you're going to see a steady stream. I don't have it exactly right. And he began to talk about the stream and then the inflection of his, the inflection of his voice changed. And he said, God said, it is time for the steady stream and no devil of hell will be able to stop it. Now that's a spiritual declaration. Michael and I have the obligation to take a hold of that, to declare it as God has declared it, and to pay the price so that we qualify for that to come to pass. So, things that we have seen in small doses are going to become a steady stream. And we've had, and this is the same word we've had time and time again, but it's a little different this time. And after a season of a steady stream, remember there's been a, a word that it's going to turn into a river. So, and and uh, God told God told Brother Randy not that we hang on everything that he says, but we do. You know, these things do witness to our spirit. It's time for the. He said in 2024, we'll be up and on the move. I believe in this day and in this hour, this year, we're going to see things beginning to transpire and things beginning to transfer very quickly. And um, I'm. I want to encourage you to get on this with us. Come on and go with us um, because uh, God needs you. Um, I didn't get nearly everything I wanted to say out this morning, but, you know, it's going to be all right. It'll be good. Glory to God with tithes and offerings. Uh, Glory to God. As you get ready to give your tithes and your offerings, I want to share a scripture with you. Let me get there. Uh, we know this one, Second Corinthians 9, uh, verse 6. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and, wh- and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according to his prosper, according as he prosper in his heart. So if you're prospering in your heart. Purposes. Or purposing, I'm sorry. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. This is your heart purpose. This isn't your head. So let him give according to what is in your heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. So when you give, be cheerful. God loves that. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, um, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You know, we know that to be true. But where I want to get to is verse 10. He says, as it was written, he hath um, 
dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now notice it says, now he that minister seed to the sower. He that minister seed to the sower is the Father God. Amen. Father God is the one that gives seed. But does it say now he ministereth seed to the Christian, to the believer? No. He ministereth seed to the sower. If you want God to provide you seed, you need to sow. You need to sow. And once you have proven yourself to be a sower, God will begin to minister seed to you. Now, your seed is your offerings. Uh, Michael and I can testify that we, and there's others here too, we can testify that we have literally given out of our poverty and God has increased us to a ample supply. And uh, so... You know, I just want to point that out to you. I don't always encourage during the tithes and offerings. The Lord's corrected me on that a little bit. Um, not, and uh, so I just want to encourage you, if you want more seed to sow, then sow seed. And seed is not hard to sow. I mean, you know, dig out a penny or a dime out of your couch, do something, sow a seed. If nothing else, sow a seed of faith. But sow a seed, My our offering is in here somewhere. But, uh, Michael, if you'll bless the offering. All right. Well, Lord, we're going to sow our seeds. Yes, ma'am. Lord, we thank you for this, this time, this, this fellowship with you, Lord. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Lord, that, that uh, you're giving us this opportunity to sow seed into your kingdom so that, w- that we can be, be both a blessing to your kingdom uh, and, and to receive a blessing so that we can become a bigger blessing to your kingdom. Lord, we just know that, that your, your work needs to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we sow into that. We sow, sow with a cheerful heart, with a grateful heart, that, that you might be blessed and that we might be blessed. Lord, we just ask that you bless this offering, that you, you bless it to where it goes further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth and, and in this church. And Lord, we ask that you bless us, that we can become a bigger blessing. And that we can bless uh, to your kingdom, not to just this church, but to this king, to your kingdom. Yes, that that we can we can bless people, and that we can do your work, and that we that Lord, just help us to hear and listen to those opportunities to to be a, a, a doer of your word, a giver, and and a blessing to those around us. Lord, we know that your that that you. Uh, have filled us with your word and that we will that if we meditate on it and if we if we make it a part of our hearts that it will become a part of us and it will become real to us and that the 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 rhema word the rhema word will come alive in us and we will have your power and we will be able to minister that to those that we come in contact with and they will see you lord and not us they will see your goodness in us. They will, they will know that, that you place that in us and that you are the true king and you are the Lord of lords. And, Lord, we just want to be part of that. Lord, help us to stand in that. Help us to grow in that. Help us to be a part of your kingdom, Lord, that we can be a, just even a small part of it, Lord. Help us to grow in that. Help us to stand in that. Wow. Oh, thank, thank you, Lord. Lord. 
Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not take our health. You will not take our finances. You will not take our word. We stand against you, and we resist, and you must flee in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we do charge the angels according to your word. Father, we charge them to go out and cause prosperity in every area of life to come, cause us to be a blessing so that we can be a blessing. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is ever working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You can serve the people. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you.